I'd like to offer a few opening reflections for the, this 10-day retreat of ours that we're all embarking upon together. Are the, uh, some of our retreats have, have themes, titles, some of them don't. This one has got the, the theme, Mind is What Matters. And uh, so that'll be uh, uh, an element of the things I talk about and the kind of instruction that, that is given. And um, uh, But along with that, there'll be the, the uh, more standard um, the descriptions of, of uh, different kinds of meditation practice and uh, different uh, aspects of, of the teaching that we generally touch upon in, in all of our uh, the retreats that we uh, we lead here at Amravati. Uh, some of you are very uh, very familiar with this uh, this place. Uh, um, some of you are very new. Maybe this is the first day that uh, you've ever been here. The first time you've ever visited the the premises, and it's all very very new. Uh, Last a couple of weeks ago, we had a, an open retreat led by Lumpur Sumato, who, who founded this monastery more than thirty years ago, and was teaching here in Britain since the, the late seventies. And um, there was about three hundred and sixty people uh, booked on that retreat, so it was a bit bigger than this. <laughs> Some of you were were, were there, uh, and. Uh, so it was very. It was a bit like um, the the whole of uh, Lumpur Sumato's address book had showed up. <laughs> there was uh, people from all over the planet, uh, from Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, USA, South America, India, Malaysia, China, everywhere, um, even Siberia. <laughs> so it was a a, a big uh, gathering of. of People, many people who've been students of, of uh, Lumpur Sumato for many, many years. And so for some, this is going to be uh, very familiar. I've done dozens of retreats here. You know your, the place you like to sit in the meditation hall. You know where the, your, your, your living space is. You know where the bathrooms are. You know where the best walking meditation paths are. You know, you've kind of got the whole place scoped out. It's familiar territory. You know the cooks. You know the managers. You know the... the the teachers and so on, uh, and for others it's all completely new, the chanting, the bowing, the place, the, the traditions, the robes, uh, where's the bathroom, where am I staying, <laughs> yeah. where, where do I find the meditation hall, you know, all those kind of things take a few days to, to get uh, clarified and get um, say, well established in the mind. But whether we're a, a newbie or a, an old-timer or somewhere in, in between, uh, I, we try to make these retreats as, uh, as accessible as possible, meaningful as possible to, to everyone. One of the things that I always like to um, establish and to encourage people to do, whether, again, whether you're you're old, an old timer or a newbie, or uh, whether you're you come from a very uh, with a very positive st uh, state of mind. Maybe you were here for the 
the open retreat and then you were helping out during the international elders meeting after the the retreat for 360 people we had a monastic gathering for a, a 125 nuns and monks just in case the first event wasn't big enough or <laughs> involving enough we had a five days of, of uh, monastic meetings so maybe you were here for the whole time and you're on a real high you think, oh, uh, this is wonderful my mind is really great the practice is so clear I'm amongst fantastic people my best friends and uh, uh, there's a, a real sense of, of being on a high maybe that's where, where the, you're coming from some of you might be at the opposite end of the scale that you've just crashed your car yesterday and being sued by somebody with an Aston Martin for a quarter of a million quid you scratch their door and they want a whole new car that did actually happen to someone was helping out on the on the um, the open retreat that that did happen to them maybe they <laughs> so maybe that just happened to you and you got this huge headache and this court case and a family or a family crisis or you got some horrible diagnosis from the from the doctor a few days ago and it's it's not a high it's a a whole tangle and uh, array of of uh, headaches and difficulties and, and what one could think of as obstructions but whether you've come on a high or whether you you've come on a low or whether you're uh, and this is all familiar to you or whether it's all very new and strange then that I would say that the, the, the practice and the teachings are, are equally applicable and uh, uh, sometimes it, if it's all familiar to you and you are on a high then you're, there's only one direction you can go <laughs> <laughs> so get ready uh, not that I'm predicting anything but it, it can easily be that way but uh, whether things are very positive or uh, very difficult or very uh, uh, very fresh and, and strange or very familiar, uh, I always encourage a, a clear and conscious um, resolution in everyone who's attending and being part of this this retreat time to uh, to set the intention to let everything that we experience be uh, be a teacher for us. You know the. We have the, the person sitting in the middle with the microphone and uh, holding the, the middle seat and uh, technically speaking that makes me the teacher. But uh, uh, over and over again, uh, uh, Venerable Ajahn Chah, who's uh, our teacher, who's the, the teacher of Ajahn Sumato and uh, the, establisher, the one who established this whole large community of, of monasteries around the world, um, he would always... Uh, uh, underscore the fact that that uh, really each one of us is our own teacher that it's up to us you can be as you say as the Buddha said you could be sitting face to face with a, a great enlightened uh, t uh, master and he said the Buddha said you could be sitting face to face with me but if your mind is filled with greed hatred and delusion with self-obsession and uh, fears and desires then it's as if you're you're hundreds of miles away and alternatively at the other end of the spectrum you can be physically hundreds of miles away thousands of miles away but if your mind is uh, uh, is unified on, on the qualities of virtue and and uh, peacefulness and wisdom then it's as if you're you're face to face with uh, with the enlightened one himself 
So Ajahn Chah, would, even though he was a very compelling and uh, uh, inspiring teacher, he would always be saying, "Don't look at me. Look, look at yourself. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not me. It's it's you." The, uh, and so that, uh, in, in essence, what that means is, it's up to us to learn. If you think, "Well, I'm learning from the Ajahn because he's the one doing all the talking," but I'm not learning from anything else, then we're we're really limiting the range of uh, of uh, what can be a benefit to us? So your uh, your difficult your, the the court case hanging over you can be your teacher. The um, uh, the uh, the difficult diagnosis you just got from the doctor that can be your teacher. That really really inconvenient injury that you just got in your left knee. I'm not reading anybody's minds by the way. It's just sort of random human issues. <laughs> We can all experience uh, that painful knee can uh, can be your teacher. This uh, uh, warm English summer weather, bit of a rarity, but uh, this too uh, can uh, can be a teacher rather than oh dear, it's hotter than I want it to be. <coughs> How inconvenient! If only it was cooler, then I could practice. So uh, if the mind is, is, uh, comes up with those kind of comments, you say, aha, so the heat is my teacher. <laughs> so one of the, the aspects of this, uh, of this theme, mind is what matters, is uh, the aim to, to bring the attention to attitude. To attitude. And the, the huge difference, it makes the, the attitude with which the mind receives and processes all experience but uh, I mean it's, it's a it's a pun as well you know mind is what matters yeah, on, it's a play on words but uh, it's also pointing to uh, what an enormous difference our attitude makes and in particular this aspect of making everything our teacher so that uh, say that this this time uh, we had with the uh, uh, the open retreat, Lumpur Sumedho giving teachings every evening and other visiting ajans um, giving uh, instruction and uh, leading questions and answer sessions. It was a very, very inspiring time. There were a lot, there were a lot of very um, illuminating and uh, uh, say inspiring, imaginative teachings, really encouraging and, uh, and beautiful during the um, the time of the international elders meeting sangha gathering also there were dhamma talks every evening and every day at the meal time one of the visiting ajans would give a uh, exhortation and encouragement so that uh, those uh, we can be remembering the uh, the kind of verbal teachings that, that we've uh, we've heard and be very inspired yeah, by that and certainly we can we can draw upon those verbal teachings, explanations, uh, and so forth. But uh, uh, once again, I would say, the if the attitude is wrong, even if you've you've heard those fantastic, inspiring teachings, and you think, wow, so wonderful, that was so clear, that was so uh, so uh, say delightful, and so uh, say warming, and then. If we have a, an unskillful attitude, then what we'll do is sort of think, oh, that that open the uh, all the teachings on the open retreat they were really great. This is kind of meh. 
not quite so good. I mean, that was in the temple, and we had all these really great ajans. This is kind of okay, but yeah, the other was really, really good. So if the mind is is doing that, not that I'm trying to make you like what I've got to say more than <laughs> what you heard elsewhere, but just to to look at that. So even though those teachings were wonderful, inspiring, unique, you know, it might even be the last time that uh, Lumpur Sumedho leads a retreat in Europe. Uh, he's getting quite uh, quite aged now. That uh, even something that's very noble and beautiful and wholesome, inspiring, if we, if, we, uh, if we take hold of it in an unskillful way, then that becomes a cause of, of disappointment, of suffering, of uh, discontent for us. That uh, this is not as good as that. This is not as quite. This is this moment is not quite as real, or as good as that one, <laughs> that one over there, or or some prospect of in the future. Yet this is not quite as good as that. So by focusing upon the the attitude, then what I'd like to encourage is the sense of ah, well this is the, this isn't quite as good as that feeling. This is what's here right now. Aha! This is what I can learn from, the feeling of. Uh, of a disappointment or the, the comparing mind. This is the this is the teacher in this moment. So if we are wise, then everything will teach us. The weather will teach us. Our memories, our, our physical condition, uh, the the living situation, the, the finding that you're uh, that uh, you're you've got a single room, great, but the person on the other side of the wall is an Olympic class snorer. Ah, I got my own room, great, but oh no, this is an echo chamber for that guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not making any predictions, but, uh, so, but uh, if we are wise, then everything will be our teacher. And, so, and, uh, and if that is to be the case, it all hinges around the attitude that we bring. It's all how the mind holds the, the experience of the present moment. So uh, a lot of that, uh, then, uh, the capacity to do that revolves around the quality of, of uh, acceptance. So when we talk about metta, or loving-kindness in, in Buddhist tradition, Buddhist practice, then often that is uh, spoken of as a, a particular kind of um, like a recitation of certain phrases, may I be happy, may all beings be happy, may, may I be free from suffering, may all beings be free from suffering. And uh, so they're very sort of traditional and uh, say well-formed ways that, that loving-kindness practices is um, carried out. But for myself, I, I, found that, uh, I find that, that uh, rather than thinking of the development of loving-kindness and the use of loving-kindness as a sort of separate um, uh, practice you know, other than say concentration practices like walking meditation or mindfulness of breathing or the development of insight uh, vipassana meditation rather than loving kindness meditation being a sort of, a, a, a sort of an adjunct a, a separate uh, feature uh, I feel it's, it's more helpful to say to, to get a sense for what the quality of loving kindness is, to learn how to to generate that quality of a, a, a real uh, grounded 
open-heartedness, uh, what I call a radical acceptance, a, a, a sense of welcoming um, uh, every experience, and and using that as a sort of as an underpinning for every aspect of meditation, whether it's uh, concentration practices like mindfulness of breathing or walking meditation or development of insight or or through the course of the day developing mindfulness through uh, through uh, eating food or walking from one place to another or looking after your your uh, living space and, and so forth that if we can establish a, a quality of acceptance then this is uh, say uh, the the ground on which that um, that flexibility of attitude, uh, that adaptability of attitude, can be most firmly established. That's the, the most helpful ground to base the, any kind of practice of concentration or insight upon. Uh, an open-heartedness of uh, essentially saying to yourself, everything belongs. Whether I like it or I don't like it, whether it should be this way or shouldn't be this way, that's secondary. Here it is. <laughs> the weather is like this. My knees are like this. My mind is like this. The events of my life are like this. Uh, I can write a whole book about how it might have been different, or it could be different, or it should be different, but here it is. <laughs> so metta, or the attitude of metta, is that here it is. Uh, this is the way that the universe is shaped, is experienced exactly like this in this moment. So during these days we'll talk uh, more about uh, this uh, quality of, of metta and uh, the uh, its nature as a as a, a radical acceptance uh, of all things. Uh, one of the uh, uh, say aspects of the theme for this retreat about uh, the uh, nature of mind and uh, the the uh, say centrality of attitude is uh, the, there's some very interesting teachings that uh, uh, that I've been reflecting on a lot in, in recent times and why it gave me the idea to make this a theme for this retreat. And uh, essentially, what it's, uh, it's a, it really is uh, the core of, of insight meditation, as, as, I, as I see it. And uh, what it's based upon is we think of, I am this person, I'm a human being, like we all think of ourselves, I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm so many years old, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. Uh, I am this person, uh, and I move around, and the world is out there, I have this body, I have this mind, I have my life story, and the world is out there. Uh, Amravati is still in the place that it was last time, <laughs> still on the map in the same place. Um, yeah, today is is Friday. Retreats always begin on Fridays. Here we are. It's Friday. Um, we we feel like we're this independent being that that is moving around in a in a fixed world, and and that and and even when we as we develop the meditation, that then there's a, a sense of the mind is watching the world, and that the um, uh, that that dynamic of me in here, the world out there, and me moving around in the world, for, for most of us is a, an unquestioned reality. It seems so obvious. You know, we've, we have our, our various living places, we have our addresses, we have our jobs, our, our relationships, and, and uh, <clears throat> we make our choices, we move around in the world. 
So uh, the, these particular teachings that um, I'd like to focus on during this retreat and to explore together with, with, with uh, all of us is um, the, the nature of the, essentially the nature of the world. Because we talk about the world as if there's just one. But uh, the the Buddha's uh, the Buddha's teaching on this um, uh, is quite. It, it might sound a little bit technical, and I, I understand that English is not the first language of everybody here. So I'll try to not get too uh, uh, too uh, sort of technical about it or refined about it. But the the particular teaching uh, in, in the, uh, the Buddha says. Uh, that in the world whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world that is called the world in this in this uh, teaching and this discipline and what is it whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world the eye the nose the tongue the body the mind the ear the uh, this is the this is the way uh, through which one is a perceiver of the world, a conceiver of the world. So essentially saying, the world is the world of your experience. It's not saying that, that this is all a dream, and that you've made it all up. But it's saying, all we have ever known throughout our entire lives is our mind's representation of the world. We can't really know the world. We can only know the world as our mind represents it. That makes sense, because every single thing that we've experienced ever since we were an infant, or even before birth, every single thing uh, that has been known has been known through the agency of our individual minds. Even before we could think or speak, that's what we knew—the the heartbeat of our mother in when we were in the womb, our, our birth, our childhood, our, our adolescence, our adulthood. Uh, every single thing. Um, pleasant, painful, uh, <coughs> conceptual, emotional, whatever it might be, has all been known through the agency of our mind. So, uh, and every perception of the world, the the the, uh, the images of the globe, the, the different countries we see in the different places, uh, every single place, every single perception has been known through this mind. So, uh, the the Buddha is saying essentially. We can only know the world as our mind represents it. And this isn't just a kind of interesting philosophical, or like a boring philosophical <laughs> observation, but uh, hopefully during this time we'll, uh, we'll explore this and see how this makes a, a huge difference. Because the more that uh, we can recognize that it's, it's not what, what is experienced, what I experience is not the world, it's my world and my world might not be the same as your world when we when we assume that everyone is experiencing the same world then we are amazed when people have different opinions or maybe uh, and we assume that, that well they, they just uh, they're just wrong you know <laughs> if I think it is true and if other people think differently they might be good people but they're just wrong and you know, we laugh, but it, <laughs> but sometimes we cry, you know, because of the uh, the degree to which we can clash and and fight with each other, because 
uh, when one one person says, you know, it's it's green, and another person says, no, it's blue, it's green, it's blue, it's green, it's blue. <laughs> and uh, the, the divisions over religious beliefs, political beliefs, there's going to be an election happening, I believe, during the course of this next 10 days, should be. Though people can become extremely di divided and conflicted over um, ways of perceiving what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, uh, what's beautiful, what's ugly, uh, how things should be, what matters, what doesn't matter. So the, the more that we are able to uh, to appreciate that the the uh, the world that uh, is experienced here is uh, is unique and is different from the world that is experienced through the agency of all these other experience centers called people <laughs> that uh, then I then the less there is an assumption I know that when I see this I say oh that's beautiful but if there's mindfulness and wisdom there's a recognition well just because that's experienced or named as beautiful here someone else might go Ugh, what an awful thing did, do you, do you really, do you really want to have that around, Ajahn? Can I can I take that away? Take it away. I brought it here specially. <laughs> and so that uh, the more that can be appreciated, that my world is not necessarily the same as your world, the more that I'm able to make space for other people's opinions. Not that you are becoming, say, passive or or not taking action. Not at all. But but the more you're able to recognize just because something is called good here or bad here it's not the same for everyone so it uh, in a sense it just it creates more uh, mental space for us it creates a, a greater breadth of heart a, a greater adaptability and a greater capacity to harmonize with others because we don't just it, it, the more that this uh, insight is developed then the more we don't judge people on the opinions that they happen to have or the their uh, their priorities what's important for me might not be important for you i grew up in the countryside my parents were were farmers so i grew up amongst people who ride horses i grew up riding, riding horses ponies and so um when uh when you see a horse when i see a horse then I immediately, I, I, my my eye assesses, oh, nice horse, or you know, that, uh, or uh, looks at the the particular characteristics of it. Just uh, actually, just yesterday, I was in uh, in London uh, at the garden party at Buckingham Palace, and went there with um, Ajahn Congret and uh, Caroline Leinster, who's the secretary for the trust here. So Caroline grew up going, um, as a sort of you know, ardent sort of student radical type. So her perception of horses was what the police were riding at the protests. <laughs> so we were standing outside in the outside Buckingham Palace in the queue to to get in, and there's two people rode by on these very fine horses. I thought, well, that's pretty nice, uh, pretty nice uh, uh, pair of horses there. And uh, so my eye went to think, oh, nice horse, very yeah. There's a two handsome looking beasts. And uh, Caroline immediately thought, I remember when I used to carry placards and be marching in the street. <laughs> so uh, 
there's different worlds. Yeah, the, the, my experience of horses was you know childhood and riding and and Jim Carners in the countryside. Caroline's experience of, was growing up in London, being an ardent student radical, and and um, and saying you know how you know, even when you're really angry with the police, no one ever got upset with the horses. <laughs> even even the angriest of protesters were always kind to the horses and treated the animals well. So different worlds, different perceptions. So the more that we can say, appreciate that what we experience is our mind's representation of the world, then that creates a, a, a capacity to harmonize, to, to not judge others by their opinions, by their, their priorities, by their preferences, but in, in a sense to, to see through that, to, to not be defining you know, who and what we are by those, uh, but rather to, <coughs> to appreciate the, uh, the broader picture. I also appreciate that um, many of you have come from far away. Some of you have been living here and have just come across the yard, <laughs> haven't had to come very far today at all. Others of you have, have uh, come from uh, uh, distant countries and have just flown in and um, are needing to adapt to the, the time zone and uh, the place and everything, so I won't uh, carry on too long this evening. But I just wanted to offer these... Uh, I say uh, initial reflections and to start uh, looking at these these uh, themes and introduce this uh, this area of the teachings and uh, to um, say help us to get is, uh, established. Also, I, I realise for some of you and that uh, the um, uh, the scriptural teachings are, are not very familiar to you, so I'll, I'll try not to. So uh, get too lost in the details of, of the scriptures, but keep things you know, as uh, tangible and and uh, and usable as as possible. But uh, I will be so sort of drawing upon various uh, sutta teachings you know, as we go along. But uh, we also I can give you references and quotes that we, for people to refer to, so you won't have to be scribbling notes or trying to memorize what I'm saying. So I'll finish there for this evening and then we can close with the taking of the eight precepts together.